For thousands of years, women have been defined by, shamed because of, and oppressed for their bodies and sexuality. Societies globally and historically have attempted to keep women's power at bay by controlling the narrative over our bodies and sexuality. If you're ready to reclaim your power, recharge your relationship with your own body, and reignite your sexuality, then you have come to the right place. I'm Tara, a body and sex positive advocate who aims to break stigmas and end shame when it comes to women's sexuality and their body confidence. You are now tuned in and turned on with Tara. Hey guys, happy hump day. Thank you so much for listening to Tuned In and Turned On with Tara today. I think today's episode will hopefully be both educational and beneficial to you all. Today, I want to talk about body positivity. This is kind of a hot phrase right now, and there's so many different opinions on what body positivity exactly is, whether the movement is a good thing or not, how exactly to be a part of it, etc. I obviously have my own opinions about all of that, but first I want to dive into the history of the body positivity movement to give you a little better idea of how it came to be and its original intentions. The body positive movement can actually trace its roots all the way back to the late 1960s. I had no idea about this. I honestly thought it always came from social media, but it turns out it's been around a lot longer. In 1969, the NAAFA, or the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, was founded in New York. Then on the other side of the cal of the country in California, another group was also founded by feminists around the same year, and they were called the Fat Underground. Basically, the founders and the members of both of these groups saw that people who were considered fat were treated more poorly and solely wanted to advance what they called fat rights, fat acceptance, or fat liberation. They basically just wanted fat people to be treated the same as everyone else was. Now, I'm going to pause here because I feel like sometimes the word fat can be triggering. And I'm going to be really vulnerable and admit that it is to me. So many times we associate the word fat with negative connotations or consider it an insult. But in the 1940s and 1950s is actually when it became a really well-known insult. Before that, fat had always meant abundant or was a sign that you were wealthy and healthy. In magazines in the 1950s is really when we begin to see diet culture emerge, and there was this idea of thinness equating to beauty. And then for my generation and millennials, of course, we were first plagued by the idea of the 1990s heroin chic thinness, and then the beyond toxic, constant body criticisms of celebrities in magazines and media in the 2000s. We were told that fat was basically anything over a size 6, thanks to movies like Bridget Jones' Diary. Overall, we were sent a message that thin equals good and fat equals bad. So when I say the word fat now, I feel a little tinge of guilt, honestly. I'm almost afraid that people would think I'm trying to say something negative about another person or my own body. Of course, I'm not. Consciously, I do not associate the word fat with unhealthy, unattractive, or bad in any way. I think subconsciously, it is different in a battle because of all the messaging I've received for years and years about being fat. 
I think the word fat needs to be redefined in all of our minds. The word only holds power over us because we've given it that power with negative definitions. It's up to us to take the word back and decide what it means to us and start associating it with maybe just weighing more, but that doesn't mean bad. That doesn't mean unhealthy. That doesn't mean unattractive. And really, this all leads us right back to the body positive movement. The body positive movement as we know it today, and the term body positive or BOPO as some say, can really be traced back to Instagram in 2012. Research found that its original aim was to confront the unrealistic expectations and unrepresentative portrayals of women in popular media and advertising. This was mostly found on Instagram under the hashtags of hashtag body positive or hashtag body positivity. Now, while the movement online began with positive intentions, it kind of began to stray away from its original aim or social media users using the hashtag did. This is all from a research article that I read in an actual educational research journal, which I will link in the show notes. But what researchers found was that people started using the hashtags with the motive to go viral or gain fame. I know you've seen these people that use the popular hot words or issues or hashtags um, basically just to grow on social media, which is silly and ridiculous, but you can tell when someone's intentions just aren't pure. So then those hashtags, hashtag body positive, hashtag body positivity, which were essentially the movement, began to be overtaken with images of women who were still fitting in the box of thin beauty standards and what the media was deciding was popular beauty ideals. The researchers then found that the hashtags, hashtag F your beauty standards, spelled E-F-F, and hashtag body compassion began to represent more of what the original idea of the body positive movement was. So if you want to follow any hashtags that might actually be beneficial to your views of your body, I would suggest those. And again, that's hashtag EFF, your beauty standards, and hashtag body compassion. So yeah, in recent years, there has been a lot of critiques rise up about the body positive movement, and rightly so according to the research. And the suggestions that people were using it to only be popular on social media, intentions weren't pure. And then, of course, there's been the more serious allegations of the movement not being inclusive to men or women of all races. Now, part of this exclusivity can be traced back to the movement of the 1960s, where white women thought that the black community and other races were more accepting of larger female bodies. So they simply just didn't need fat activism. But unfortunately, those ideas continued. And then Instagram really only featured white women as representatives of the body positive movement. Then women who were modern day activists left women of color out and transgender people who also face similar body criticism. White women body positive influencers have also done a poor job of recognizing the unique struggles that come with being a fat person of color, or even calling out the fact that beauty ideas aren't just based on thin women, but those of white thin women. 
There's also been a lot of criticism surrounding the toxic positivity of the body positive movement. Some people think that the body positive movement still encourages to focus too much on the outward appearance of our bodies. Others say that it's trying to force people to love their body when they really don't. And of course, there's always those outliers who like to say the body positive movement encourages an unhealthy lifestyle, which we'll address later. Now, for the longest time, I've referred to myself as a body positive blogger. Body positivity to me was often defined as loving your body and having a positive body image despite the beauty standards set up by media and culture. And I definitely still feel like I fit into that category. Yet, a new movement has arisen in which I also relate, body neutrality. Body neutrality differs from body positivity and that it doesn't hone in on loving your body, but just accepting your body as it is while focusing on its abilities instead of just its physical attributes. I'm definitely drawn to this movement because it says that we are so much more than our outer appearance. It's also great for people who struggle to love their bodies because that's not always a reasonable way to feel about your body every day. If you're body neutral, you can appreciate all your body does for you every day, but you don't have to love everything about it. Instead, you just kind of feel neutral to it. Of course, the body neutral movement has garnered criticism as well. Some have argued that body neutrality does not help self-image or self-esteem enough, which I can definitely understand. But then, of course, that kind of highlights the issue that we associate our self-worth too much with how we appear outwardly than who we are and how we contribute to society and the world. For me, both body neutrality and body positivity play into my life. I believe there's probably a spectrum we all fall on. I am body positive in that I tell myself my cellulite and stretch marks are beautiful every day, even though that is not a cultural norm in beauty standards. For me, it is important that I feel attractive. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I definitely struggle with associating my worth with my looks. I've been told since I was 14 I was beautiful, and there was always so much emphasis by other people on my outer appearance. And unfortunately, being and feeling beautiful became part of my identity. So when my body and appearance changed in permanent ways, like the stretch marks I had after children, I had to use body positivity to reframe my idea of what beautiful is. I had to define beauty for myself in order to have a healthier self-image. Now, further down the road in my relationship with my body, I am at a point where I can separate my worth from my looks more. This is a journey for me, still, definitely because it goes against pretty much everything I've been taught about my self-worth. In the past, I would work out to attempt to make my body look how I had been conditioned and needed to look in order to be more acceptable or attractive, which was thin and skinny and weighing less and like a size four two or zero but now with the body positive movement i think i'm beautiful no matter how i look or my pant size but i do still need motivation to work out and exercise because that's what's healthy for my body i'm not saying that's what's healthy for everyone's body but for my body i do need that exercise and this is where body neutrality comes into play for me 
I appreciate my body and all that it does for me. I am more mindful of how I need to take care of it in order to feel my best self in a healthy way. I now work out solely for the purpose of staying active, being healthy, having energy, helping my mental health, etc. It has nothing to do with losing weight or my outer appearance. It's important to know, I think, that whether a person chooses body neutrality or body positivity, they are doing what they think is best for themselves. Another person's health is not my or anyone else's business. It is in no way my place to say you should or should not be body positive or body neutral. And also, it's important to remember that health looks different from person to person. And just because a person weighs 110 pounds doesn't mean they are healthy. Take it from me, who, when I was that much weight, was struggling with the eating disorder. I was a very unhealthy person, not eating enough calories, not treating my body right, and my mental health was at an all-time low. And if another person weighs 300 pounds, that doesn't mean that they're unhealthy. Weight, body size, appearance, all of those are not really a clear indicator of a person's health at all. Now, I believe there is a place for both movements in our lives, body neutrality and body positivity. It's a personal choice, and I respect everyone's decision. Not everything in life is black or white, and there's a lot more room for gray space than we tend to think. I can't force myself completely into the body neutral or completely into the body positive box because truthfully, I fall along the spectrum, and that is more than okay. I don't care if you want to call it body positivity, body neutrality, self-love, body confidence, or the I like my body even if you don't movement. At the end of the day, I don't think we should get so hung up on the labels as much as focusing on what the actual issues are. That's that the media and society often sets up unrealistic beauty ideals and body expectations. And this has happened for so long that it has caused many of us who don't fit into that box to feel less than, to be treated poorly by others, to have an eating disorder and other mental health issues. This needs to be remedied. And one of the ways that we can do this is by calling out the cause of the issues loudly and normalizing all body shapes and sizes. But I don't want to end this episode without saying that I do think a lot of the critiques of the body positive movement when it comes to inclusivity are valid. As a white cis woman, I think it's important that I recognize my privilege when it comes to beauty standards and body ideals. I am at an advantage because of the color of my skin and because I was born with female genitalia. I'm still very new to the idea of transgender inclusivity, and I can still admit that I have so much to learn. So if there's a better way to discuss this issue or talk about it, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me and talk about it if you want to. I know it's not anyone's job to educate me on these issues, and I am committed to still doing research and the application of the ideas I learn on how to be more inclusive. The important point that I'm trying to make is that all white cis women should recognize their privilege and should do a better job of including women from different races, backgrounds, and communities. 
I hope this episode helped every listener understand the body positive movement a little more, what it's about, how it can improve, and why I think it's still important. I use the term body positivity more often than not because it's what's more culturally known. And I'm just trying to get the message out there that something needs to change on how we view our body size and how we think about beauty ideals. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Issues Today with Tara. Until next time, babes, I am signing off.